Welcome, friends, to Breakfast in the Ruins, a Michael Moorcock-flavoured podcast. When we concluded our deep dive into the duel in the skull, whilst discussing Moorcock's celebrated fast writing style of the time, Tash described it as a one-shit book, and simultaneously coined a phrase that gave us an idea for future shows. Now, we spent a long time mulling this over and considering what may make the perfect one-shit book and engage quest mode in order to locate and isolate potential candidates. There were only really three main criteria. First, it had to be fantasy stroke sci-fi. Second, Pops had to have read it. And third, it couldn't be a gazillion pages long. Our adventures took us to many lands, and we considered a number of contenders. Spearmen of Arn. The Winds of Gath, first in the extensive Doomrest saga. Any number of additional Mocock entries of a similar vintage. Finally, though, it all came back to one name. Danus. Now, many moons ago, when I met Phil and moved to Bradford, in order to fit into Phil's house, I had to clear out my old bachelor pad in Hull, and that meant slimming down my book collection by about two-thirds. It was a really difficult task, and the bulk of those old genre paperbacks that I got from Pops and my uncles in the 80s made up a large part of the cull, and they included numerous 60s and 70s editions, no doubt now no longer in print, and, frankly, it pains me to even think about it. However, one of the books that made the cut was the fourth in a series of five books charting the adventures of one Danus an adventurer apparently in the mould of Conan, Brack, John Carter, or any number of fantasy heroes. I never did get round to reading it at the time, but I was always intrigued by books that had lexicons or glossaries of terms in the back, and maps, because of course, I love world building, and the world building element of all those books is often well encapsulated by hand-drawn maps at the beginning. It also wasn't unusual for me back then to jump into a saga at a random point rather than at the outset, due to the fashion in which these books made the way to me. So Danis should have been right up my street, but, for whatever reason, I just never got round to it, other than sitting in my mate Tom's bedroom and laughing at some of the things in the glossary. Mike Sirota, a former journalist in California, wrote and had published many novels between 1978 and 2017, covering the genres of straight-up heroic fantasy in the forms of two Barbara novels, and Sword and Planet, or, in old money, Planetary Romance, with the Regolathium series, starring Danus, an Earthman who, in typical Sword and Planet style, finds himself on a weird alien world. This is a long-standing genre that predates Sword and Sorcery thanks to Edgar Rice Burroughs and his Barsoom novels, which themselves predate Conan by some 20 years. And Conan creator Robert E. Howard, himself a habitual wanderer across all corners of the pulp world, had his own take on this murder of heroic fiction, Almeric. And, of course, the derivative Flash Gordon comics and serials are perhaps as enduring an example as Burroughs, and, ironically, probably far better known to the public consciousness than John Carter. By the 1960s, there were numerous fresh and, okay, not-so-fresh takes on that template laid down in Burroughs' Barsoom Chronicles, care of many of the genre stalwarts of the time, including, for example, Lynn Carter's Callisto series, John Norman's Gore novels, more on those another time, perhaps, but uh, I'd suggest you guard your lines for that if we do it. And of course, Michael Moorcock himself published his three Mars novels under the pen name Edward P. Bradbury, telling the tale of Earthman and Vietnam veteran Michael Caine and his adventures on a Mars of the ancient past. But we're not here today to talk Michael Caine. Oh no. We're here to talk Danus. We are here to investigate a potential one-shit book. So, strap in as we head for a distant world of strange creatures, baffling science, and high adventure. Join us on our epic rum-soaked quest to make it through the dark straits of Regolathium.
Okay, we're back. We're back in Derry and Tom's virtual roof garden, and we have Tash back in the roof garden for the first time in absolutely yonks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Mm. And um, I'm just going to have a, a quick uh, taste of, of Brewdog Hazy Jane before I go into my room to, to clear my palate. And I know that um, actually there was a time when I would turn my nose up at Brewdog, but I think I've sucked it up because you can get 48 cans for 52 quid delivered to the house. So my morals soon evaporated. But that's seriously cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? And also they uh, they did all that kind of good charity stuff, which kind of uh, took the bad taste right. out of my mouth Mate, from the things that did a while ago. You were all right on the cheap beer. Don't yeah. start virtue signalling. Uh, well, you know, I can't help it. I'm, I'm, I am virtuous by my <laughs> very nature. Exactly, so you don't need to signal it, darling. We can all <laughs> see it shining forth. <laughs> That's very true. So one of the big colossal shames of this and having to record online because of lockdown britain and plague island is that normally we wouldn't only just drink some delicious rum and have a few beers but also i would get to eat fantastic food in your kitchen and i must say that's a a sore miss so i do look forward to the time when we can do it in person but at least we have the rum so tell me what room you have wahachi sarah Mm -hmm. i want extra and here de colombia Solera 21, Reserva Familia. Mmm, Colombian, eh? Very nice. Colombia. And I have... I don't know, I haven't tried it yet. I think this is one that you've probably had, because I think you mentioned it. I've got San Teresa 1796 Venezuelan Solera rum. One, one thing I, should, I suppose we should, we should actually say as well, this is the first in a, an occasional series of what we're calling, the, coin, the phrase that you coined, uh, the quest for the one-ship book. Because, of course, when we did the Duel in the Skull, you did make the observation during part three, when we were about four hours into it, where you said that uh, the Duel in the Skull is essentially a very good one-shit book. Um, and I think some people on Twitter maybe kind of misunderstood that. So we were saying it was a shit book. But no, it's a, it's a book that you could probably undertake in one visit to the throne. So, of course, we did have a discussion about, well, we should maybe try and find other one-shit books, maybe the ideal one-shit book. Because the Duel in the Skull was great for two-thirds, maybe went a bit downhill towards the end. So whilst it was a good one-shit book, it wasn't the perfect one. So this is the first in our occasional quest for the perfect one-shit book. Can we have mm. the strap line now, please, Andrew? Yeah. Um, is it a one-shit book or is it just one-shit book? That's what we need to find out. And I chose this one and I encouraged you to buy it. Danus. The dark only straits, three pounds, my yeah, friend. The Dark Straits of Reglathium, which is actually the fourth Danis book in a series of five. Now, why is that? Because <laughs> I could not could not attest to why that is. Uh, I think things were different in the seventies, Andrew. To <laughs> your no, I'll tell you why. It's because I owned it because Pops gave me it in the eighties. So that puts it firmly in scope. Oh, I thought you meant, why are the five books? Oh, well, that that's a, a completely existential question that we might have to look at a little bit further down the line as we go at it. But Danus Four, The Dark Straits of Reglathium, was given to me by Pops in the 80s, so it's firmly in scope for this podcast. And, of course, I encouraged you to buy it, and you did. You went ahead and bought it. Um, we did amusingly find out recently that someone's selling a copy of this for 65 quid. <laughs> On, on Amazon, which Ambitious. is absolutely mind blowing. Um, but yeah, so you know, I, th- I think the first thing to think about with it. Well, first of all, actually, I'm going to try this Santa Teresa rum. So Looking just give me right a second. We are. Yeah. Have you not tried it before? No. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. It's not my favourite, but it's inoffensive. 
I remember it, I mean, it depends what you like in a room. I remember it having a bit more of a alcohol spirit, slight harshness to it. It might be because but, a lot of my ice has broken down already because it's quite hot in this study. So it's 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 um it's had a couple of ice cubes worth of dilution. So that might have taken any of that edge off. But actually, it's all right. I would probably describe it as 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 a mellow of rums, easy, inoffensive, um, but you know it has been watered a little bit. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I'll find out a little bit more when I top it up, um, because it'll uh, it'll have less less water in it. So I'll, I'll do that now while you tell me about yours. The thing with that one is for its price point, and this is this is where it comes back to. It's 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 no diplomatica reserva, is it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. For, what is that? Thirty five quid. Yeah. Do, Mental. You, you have to go a long way to beat that, and you know we've had the the Ramza Kappa XO and the Centenario yep. and all like that. And yep. They're absolutely delicious, but mm-hmm. is that Ronza Kappa Centenario three times better than Diplomatico Reserva? Nope. It really. What isn't. I did find at Christmas is the vintage 2005, which is three times the price, is probably twice as good as the Diplomatica Reserva. However, the Ambassador, which is, I don't do maths that quickly, nearly seven times the price, is not my favourite. So there's a bit of that left, but as I said to you, I've got better rooms than this, but I'm not wasting it on this. So, um, But for the one that I've picked, um, I mean, I've just opened it, it does smell very uh, vanilla pod, yeah. but it doesn't taste, it's not as sweet or as smooth as Diplomatico. I don't think I'm going to have a problem with it. Mm. Ask me on the sep- second glass, I might start giving it some, some serious love. And on the third glass, I'll give everything some serious love. So no, I've, just to- I've just topped this up and you're right. It is, um, it's still not unpleasant, but it's lost its smoothness. And it, and it has got a bit of a, not, not quite bitter, but heading on for a sort of a medicinal alcohol. Back Some taste. people love that kind of stuff, I assume, because this isn't the only bottle they've sold. But yeah, well, it's it's, it's not for me. Um, no. But th- this is all right. It's not it's not too overpowering. But no, that's fine. I suspect it would be lovely with ginger beer, but mm. for the price of it, you could mm. just. <laughs> I mean, why would you? Yeah, it's it's like when you spend fifty five, sixty quid on a bottle of whiskey and think, right, yeah, it's all right with Coke. <laughs> uh, I'll stick with White and Mackay if that's the case. You know. <laughs> you, you know, you know, what I'm running jokes. So for the listeners, every now and again, Andrew and I will see a ridiculously priced bottle of something, and we'll say, you know, but the write-up's gorgeous. So yeah. we'll send each other the link. <laughs> like, we should make a YouTube video where we just get like a, a fifty grand bottle of whiskey, and then just put like cheap little like yeah. sugar-free Coke or something yeah. in it, <laughs> and then just like yeah. drink it. Um, yeah. Which would be insane, but, you know, it's crazy times, and I think one day we probably will. I know I did the other night because I was drinking this deliciousness. So this is the one I was telling you about, Andrew. I've had some confusing times lately. I didn't think I was drinking that much, and then that went to bed. I'm like, what did I do last night? I'm sure I only had, like, one, two whiskeys. (laughs) Just went to bed, like, what, nine o'clock. So when I finished the bottle... I realised it was fifty-seven point three percent. So, <laughs> yeah, it's particularly delicious. But there was one night, and I'm just going to share it with you for shame, really, because you know your listeners like to hear me embarrass myself. So, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd had, give you that idea. I'd had to. Well, they keep tuning in, Andrew. And that's all <laughs> I seem to do. So I had two beers, which made perfect sense. And I had a sandwich and one of these, which made perfect sense. And I decided I was going to bed, which made perfect sense. <laughs> so I left the cat out. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> About three in the morning, I came downstairs looking for the cat. 
And I went into the kitchen and I see a, a drink on the side that I've forgotten I've made and I pick it up and I sniff it and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I put it in the, in the sink and I'm like, I'll deal with that tomorrow. So what I often do is by the time I've taken the dogs out, brought them back in, I'll leave, you know, you make a drink, you leave it in the kitchen. I've got a three-story house. You don't always go back down for it. Obviously, I'd gone upstairs, crashed out, had a great night's sleep until the cat. Went downstairs in the morning and I looked at the glass and I thought, Natasha, if you have used the 21-year-old single malt <laughs> in a drunken haze and decided that you should mix it with pineapple juice. <laughs> <laughs> this beautiful, lovely crystal whiskey glass, like full to the fucking brim, Andrew. <laughs> with the smell of it, like there was a goodly amount. So that's why the bottle's empty. Um, I'm not proud of it, but if I'd have remembered to YouTube it, you could have you know, had a li little dream to come true there, my friend. Fuck it, if you enjoyed it, that's the important thing. But I didn't even drink it, mate. I'd have puked it if I'd have drunk it. The fact mm. that the first glass was enough to convince me that it'd be nice with pineapple juice at all, because I can assure you it would not. <laughs> right, well, I'll tell I'm... you what. Let's make a pact right yes. now that if we ever find the perfect with a capital P one shit book... We will 50 celebrate. Grand McClellan. Yeah, we'll celebrate by fact. We'll, we'll we'll splash out. <laughs> let's just set a benchmark now. We'll splash out on a hundred quid bottle of whiskey, and not only will we drink it with Coke, we won't drink it with Coke. We'll drink it with value cola flavor drink, the worst shittest twenty five p bottle of Coke we can possibly find. And I don't know if you can get that anymore, but I can remember when I was on the Dole in the nineties. We used to buy value cola flavor drink from um, Quicksave. You remember Quicksave? I loved Quicksave. Yeah, no frills. Everything was no frills. So we used to buy no frills potato waffles, no frills burgers, no frills mayonnaise, no frills white bread, no frills Swiss rolls, and no frills value cola flavor drink. And I think in those days it was 7p for two liters. So we need to find the modern equivalent of cola flavor, value cola flavor drink and drink it with an 100 quid whiskey in celebration of finding the perfect one shit book that's that's our pact we have we, we say yes or no what i'm thinking andrew is this book deserves that drink i'm like <laughs> the perfect one shit book we can just have the whiskey i'm like well this 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 book just deserves the fucking coke mate they're like find a seven pence coke and we'll drink that Actually, it is a pretty apt description of this book that this is the value cola flavor drink of the sword and sorcery stroke sword and planet world, isn't it? Yes. It really is. So it's published by Manor Books Fantasy. $2.25 when this came out, apparently. It's by you Mike Sirota. And the blurb on the back is No ship could pass through the straits. Men went mad with fear. Terrible sea monsters attacked the vessel, pulling men from the deck to devour them in the black depths of the water. To end this menace, Danus undertook a new and startling adventure that brought him into conflict with the ferocious Fatilerians, which is actually misspelled on the back, because in the book it's double I, not a single T, I think. Anyway, that's not, that's not the, the last of the, the fucking spelling mistakes. Nope. The Fatirians on the Ferunian continent. And it says, The Dark Straits of Reglathium is part of a series of fantasy novels featuring Danus, a superhero who fights on the side of justice for the citizens of the distant world of Reglathium. Other novels about Danus are The Prisoner of Reglathium, The Conquerors of Reglathium, and The Caves of Reglathium. Move over, Conan. Here comes Danus. Now, we'll get into the qualities of Danus as a character in a wee while, 
But I think describing him as a superhero, number one, is a bit of a fucking stretch. Because he does fuck all <laughs> for pretty much this entire book. Um, other than spout exposition. I mean, you know, he does look quite strapping on the cover. So it's got him facing off against a dinosaur in a pair of underpants with a sword. None of which happens clear, in the book. Yeah. The, the dinosaur is not in the pair of pants with a sword. That no. would be... And, and nor is the dinosaur in the book. <laughs> <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> because I read it. Just because you couldn't do your homework, I did. I did. Most of my homework. Yeah, you bastard. Yeah, I did my homework. But there's there's, there's a couple of things to to think about here because, of course, before we even get into the book, we've got we've got to talk about the glossary. And and it's it's often been a thing with fantasy and sword and sorcery and, and those kind of novels, and even sci-fi novels, that there are a couple of things that always worry me when you pick up a book like this. One is when you get cast of characters, and you get that in quite a lot of books, and particularly sci-fi, where you get three pages of names of people, and it tells you who they are, and it says, Admiral Geoffrey Cantor, dash, High Admiral of the... I don't know, high slung bottoms of Zod or whatever, and you get that long, long list. That always that always puts me off for a start. It's like, right, okay, if you can't explain who these characters are just through going through the book and introducing them and having some nice plotting and narrative, you've got to put all this shit up front. So when you're reading it, you have to constantly flash backwards and forwards to this list of characters to remember who's who. That's a problem. We haven't got that, but we have got this glossary and. <laughs> The moment you look at this glossary, you know you're in trouble because it's actually a mixture of cast of characters and glossary. So it's a glossary of names and terms, and it starts off with Achaeum. And an Achaeum, it says, is one quarter of an Iam. About three and a half months. Bad enough that we can't just call something a fucking year. We've got to call it a, an Iam. But an Iam, according to that calculation, isn't. 12 months because it's three and a half months so we're already we're fucking about and then we've got Achaeum so an Achaeum is a quarter of an Achaeum and then it, it gets worse because we get a few names and then we've got a bivac a linear measure of 13 feet and further on we've got a ruvac which is a linear measure of 5.2 inches and then we've got a tavac which is a linear measure of 390 feet and we've got a vac, which is a linear measure of 2.2 miles. So instantly, you know that you're you're in trouble. But you're lost, essentially. Even then, you have no fucking idea just how much is going to hammer this shit once you get into it. Because some of the paragraphs in the first couple of chapters, well, you, you, you're battling with this nonsense. And you're also battling with sometimes, in the early part, and it, it, it does ease up a little bit, but in the first couple of chapters... There is not a single paragraph without multiple typos. It's absolutely insane and so distracting. And if, if you're thinking about, okay, we're, we're going to come up with a system of measurement. Now, the imperial system is pretty fucked up, isn't it? You know, feet and miles and yards and, and all that. Business. But there's at least some, some kind of sense to it. But there is no sensible subdivision of a vac that makes any sense to to end up being having vex, ruvex, bivex, tavex, whatever the fuck they all are. I read I read this bastard book, all two hundred and thirty pages, and it still didn't sink in what they all were. And I just got to the point where they say, yeah, it was about two ruvex from his head. And I was like, I don't care if that's two miles or two inches. I no longer care because I'm just losing the will to live with all this. So you you, you know you're in for a bit of bother, but it's uh, 
my God, he really, really does make the most of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it features lightly. I wouldn't even say it features usefully. No, there is no point. It is utterly pointless. Not only is it lacking in any any form of logic or sense, it's actually just painful. It's not the three quid. You can give me sixty-five quid for it. (laughs) Well, I think I think what you should do is exploit this and flog yours for sixty-five quid, and then give me half of it for as as a (laughs) as a finder's fee for leading you to it in the first place. Well, after we finish praising the book, it will no doubt be worth you know more than that well obviously i think i think the reason it's going for 65 quid is because word got out that we were going to cover it and everybody wants to do a read-along so they all sold out on the other hand that's probably bollocks but anyway it's the fourth book in a series so tell us tash who is danis i have absolutely no freaking idea (laughs) (laughs) none so i read the first what felt like I am um, several months ago when you first made me do it, yeah. and then it's been lurking. It lurked in the in the living room for a while. Then it was Christmas, so I moved it to the stairs. Yeah, and then it's lived in the kitchen. It's been around the house, and it's one of those things that every time my eyes catch it, I just think, "Fucking Danis." Um, <clears throat> you know, like when you stub your toe, and it continued to provoke that kind of response in me. Yeah. So when we said we'd get it finished last weekend, I was kind of glad. Yeah. And I was surprised to find I'd only got to page 11. Yeah, well, you hadn't even got to the game of Favor yet, had you? Um, <laughs> I still we... don't know if I have, Andrew. Yeah. I may well have skim-read it. But the thing is, it starts on page 7. So I got to page 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, first of all, you know, we've got a dedication for Minivan, and then we've got a couple of maps. We've got a map of the Eastern Hemisphere of Regolathium, which looks like it was just kind of sketched out freehand the fact that the the actual globe is sketched freehand because it's so dodgy a, a circle and um, but you know okay fair enough you get fantasy maps in, in in fantasy books and then we've got a map of the genethusian continent now this motherfucker he has actually put one inch equals 445 miles brackets 202 vex so if it, <laughs> yeah so if it's, if he's if it's just going to cut to the chase and use miles on his map you know, why the hell is he actually subjecting us to all of this? We've got the Simonin Sea, we've got the Straits of Zia, we've got Dylar, Tacobian Sea, Sheeb Wilderness, lots of river names, none of which appear in the book. So we've got a map of the uh, Genethusian continent, and none of it is in the book. It's absolutely pointless. But we, we, we get a real uh, And there, end, there ends the summary of the, the book. Thanks, guys, and uh, till well, next time. Yeah, I mean, no spoilers, listeners. Sorry. We'll, we might we'll have already. We might have no, we what? We might have already got got gone on something of a downer on this book. Um, so yeah, it's not it's, all bad. I mean, it does end. <laughs> yeah, and actually, that's the best description of the ending is it just ends, as in it just runs out. <laughs> there's no, there's no conclusion. It just I stops. I, I it got, just stops. I got yeah. as close as I could get. Um, I was kind of looking forward to you telling me what the fuck it was about, but if it doesn't, then uh, well, and I'm let's, glad let's, I didn't waste. Let's, let's see if we can figure that out. To answer your question, Andrew, who is Danis? So because yeah. I read the first four pages and then, you know, repressed it and then picked it up and just tried to plough on, yeah. I managed another 70 pages. I think it took me about 60-odd pages to work out who the fucking narrator was. I couldn't remember. Yeah. It seemed to flick between... You know, like just uh, observations of mountains in that typical fantasy way and, yeah. and a voice. And I'm like, who's this voice? Because it was just somebody standing in the background telling you what other people was doing. So in yeah. terms of, you know, was he the superhero that, you know, they mm. needed? 
it is it is 90% travelogue, but where whereas other fantasy novels that are travelogues are usually punctuated by plot or incident. <laughs> oh, I had incident. We'll get to the incidents. What we found out from the first bit is that Really, I suppose, as opposed to a strict sword and sorcery novel, this is what they would have called back in the day a sword and planet. Is an Earthman who's ended up on this world of Reglathium somehow in the earlier books. We don't know how, so it's it's similar to Gore or Almeric by Robert E. Howard or um, Princess of Mars or any of those John Carter novels. In that he's an Earthman who somehow has been transplanted to Reglathium. Okay, so we so we know that. We know that this is the fourth book and he's managed to, to marry a hot chick and have a child. Well, they feature in the first few pages and you never see or hear from him again. He's got his, his uncle, Vasio, who uh, is a scientist who features somewhat. And we found out a couple of other bits as well that the headman is quite hilarious. In this kind of headmen or bosses are called Kevs. <laughs> K-E-V. So the Kev... It was Den- the 70s, Andrew. The Kev is Densentus. So we've got a small cast of characters. And uh, it all starts to go initi- instantly wrong, because it starts off... I'll read the first paragraph. How had the time passed so quickly? Three Iams old. On this particular mig, Vordacia Tarinor Eriquane would embark on her fourth Iam of life beneath the distant red sun of Reglathium, her native world. It seemed impossible, yet as I gazed at her sleeping peacefully in the early morning, less than half a kimig after the splendidly full Ithantikor had sunk gracefully below the far horizon, I knew that I could not doubt my own eyes. Her presence assured me of the reality, while her long golden hair, smooth alabaster skin and sparkling blue eyes were portents of iams to come, when her beauty would surely be the equal of her mother, my Marana. So you've got one paragraph, which is three sentences, and we've got I am... Mig, I am, Kimig, Mig. It's, it's just, and this is now relentless for 233 pages. He is constantly referring to time scales and distances and constantly referring back to his own bizarre glossary of things. But, so there's but no, no escape reference in it. to a plot, no, no reference to a storyline. No, not really. And so it, it, it continues like this for a wee while, but of course, this chapter is called A Royal Game of Favor. Yeah, so what is Favor? So instantly you're thinking, what the fuck is Favor? And there's several pages of stuff with him talking to his family and nothing really happens. And then on page 17, it says, Upon my earliest arrival in Chelequin, I had become addicted to Favor, a game that Marana and Vasio had loved since childhood and quickly became proficient at it. A permanent favour caught in a field about half a tavake from the cottage enabled us to play as often as we could, and the three of us were considered the unofficial champions of the sphere. Our toughest challenges usually came from our own workers, who spent much of their free time on the court. Favour is a lawn game, the grass preferably low and well manicured. So at this point I'm thinking, oh, bowls. You know, that's, that's reasonable. The family are really into bowls or bowls or, or whatever. You've got a nice crowned bowling green. But oh no. It can't be that simple for Mike Sirota, because it says, The outside dimensions of the rectangular court are one and a one half bivaks by five and one half bivaks. I can see it now. I can see yeah, it clearly. Yeah, I can Go just visualise it. Yeah, and there. Lengthwise, the court is divided into three sections. The first, two and one half bivaks long. The others, each one and one half bivaks long, both perfect squares. Teams consist of three persons, and points can be scored both on the offence and the defence. 
The offensive team plays from behind the baseline, located at the foot of the lengthiest part of the court. Their goal being to roll a hefty ball weighing more than 10 pounds past their opponents who are placed strategically within the fair boundaries. One guards the forward line of the first square, the next protects the second square, while the third stands before the all-important back line. Each of the defensive players wear thick paddles carved on fool wood, fool, F-U-U-L, not F-O-O-L, which are tightly strapped to both arms from the open palms of the hands to just below the anti-cubital portion. I'm sorry, Andrew. I'm sorry, yeah. I've got some bad news for you. You've just yeah. lost all your readership or listenership or whatever yeah. it is. Well, sorry, it's, it's going to get worse. Yeah, we exactly. Could, Look. We could use no other parts of their bodies to block the weighted ball, nor would the wish to, lest serious injury occur. And this is what this book is like. It's descriptions of pointless shit for 230 pages. Because this goes on for an entire page. And I'm going to read it. I had to read it, so I'm going to punish everybody by making them listen to it. No, because I had to read it as well. No, it's one of the pages I had to read, so... I'm doing um, it. It's not about you. It's not about me. Can we do it later when we've had more to drink and it makes more sense? You know, it's not about you and me. It's about the listeners and their reward for tuning in. So... (sighs) Scoring in favour is both provisional and fixed. Provisional points represented by black pegs fixed by red pegs. Four provisional points equals one fixed point either for the offensive or defensive team and the first to reach ten fixed points is the winner of the match. Offensively, points are scored thusly. If the ball enters the first square without the front defensive player able to impede it, a black peg is achieved. Should the second player be unable to stop it and it enters the second square, two black pegs. If it crosses the back line, it's an automatic fixed point, and any provisional point garnered by the offence at that time remains valid. Each of the defensive players has only one chance to bat the ball back or deflect it away. If the ball is deflected out of boundaries within the first or second squares, the offence still receives their one or two pegs. If the defensive front liner stops or deflects the ball before it enters the first square, the defensive team garners a black peg, or the offence loses one. If the ball enters the first square, but is knocked back into the rectangle by the second player, no points are scored by either. The same is true if the ball reaches the second square but is batted back into the rectangle stop by it. the backliner. Stop no, it. no, stop I'm not it. going to stop. If he only succeeds in returning it to the first square, it is one provisional point for the offence or a loss by I one of the defence. I know, song that'll get on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish, it's nearly done. In all cases, the ball must stop within the boundaries of the first square or the rectangle when batted back or the points belong to the offence. The offensive team must go on the defence when their opponents score a fixed point. Any extra provisional points are returned by the Airswell defensive team as they move to the offence. Right. And it goes on for another half page after that. And Please then don't. I'm not going to. But then you go from page 18 to page 25. There's a seven-page description of him actually playing the game as if you had any fucking idea of what any of those rules meant, but he seems to assume that that description is perfectly reasonable. And that is chapter one. And that really sets the tone for what's to come. No, I think what's better than that is once you're in that trance state, I'm going to just ruin it. I, yeah. The Kev turns up. Yeah. He, he says there's something I want to look into, bring the boat. And yeah. that lasts for like two pages. You know what? I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you know that. <laughs> because it proves you read it. <laughs> I've got so many feelings for you right now, Andrew. I don't... <laughs> I don't want to, like, bring anyone down. So, so yeah, I suppose at that point, despite the fact he's wasted fuckloads of words on a game that makes no sense. It's a test. It's a test to the reader. Do you want to know what happens to Dennis or not? Because most people would have turned back quite sensibly at page 11. That That is a good point, actually. And 
weeks ago when we first talked about doing this, I did a very similar thing to you in that I got to the description of Favor and I wrote a little note and it says, um, it goes batshit crazy on page 17 with a description of Favor and then I put the book down and I didn't pick it up again for about two weeks because I didn't have the will to. So it is. It's, it's a fantastic way of gatekeeping your book to say, if you can make it through this nonsense, this absolutely baffling batshit nonsense. It doesn't get better. Yeah. There's nothing to reward you for, for making it through it. But Well, I suppose in his defence, in Mike Sirota's defence, there is nothing else in the rest of the book that is as focused as this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was when he was waiting for, to come up on the acid. Yeah. Like, and, then, and then it hit him. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's mind-numbing, really. But we do get that, that kind of beginning of some form of quest. Don't I've got a horrible feeling. I mean, how many minutes are we into this? I've got a horrible feeling this is episode one of six episodes of uh, Dan's. Trust me, we, we, we are not going to go through this book blow oh, by oh, blow. Because if you, if you read two pages from every chapter... No, no we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Uh, we're not doing point by point on this because <laughs> it, I, I think it would... We would, well, I would be tapping you up for therapy, number one, which wouldn't work because you've been through the same experience. So, <laughs> shared trauma, group therapy. Shared trauma, yeah, absolutely. So, But we, we do get the, the, the beginning of whatever the fuck this quest is. And Den Sentus, the Kev, says, I mean, I can't even remember what he says, they've got to go somewhere because something weird's gone on. Yeah, he said, because obviously the Kev, nothing better to do. He yeah. went walkabout, had a chat. Somebody said something disturbing, so he went somewhere else, had a chat, found something yeah. disturbing, came back, went, I need a boat. You've got yeah. a boat. Shall we go in your boat? That was it. Yeah, so so they find out they've, they've got to go to some town because some funk is going on. So they uh, they get together a ship with a bunch of sailors, Jason and the Argonauts style, which is a little bit confusing because they've got a ship called the Herp 2, which pulls another boat called the Diclon 2, and they talk, they talk regularly about the Diclon drive or something. It's not entirely clear how this ship works, but they talk about Diclon and they tow in the Diclon too. And Uncle Vassia, the scientist, is the man behind making this this thing work. Well, this this goes on for for several chapters, and, and they have to cross some straits. And I, I wasn't clear because when you get to the end, it says they finally reach the Dark Straits, and the book's called the Dark Straits of Regolathium, and they, and they reach the Dark Straits like the page before the end. But they do pass, they do cross some straits which sends people mad and they have to start tie themselves to um, things like masts and things like that to, to prevent themselves from going batshit crazy. And one guy does get loose and beheads somebody because they're all going nuts or something. So there is something weird going on, but it's not entirely clear what's going on. And I'd just like the... to, given that you've read through that entire sports scene, I'd yeah. like to point out that that is one of the darkest, most disturbing random scenes in the middle of fuck all I've come across in fantasy. It yeah. went all like fantasy horror. It was just yeah. this like long night of the soul and there was one guy who ended up hung over the... I fucking hate you for making me know this, Andrew. Mm-hmm. This is why I like, should we do it on Saturday? I'm like, no, I, I need it out of my brain. <laughs> so he'd got caught up in something and hung himself, like leaping over the uh, end of the boat. And like all night, they just heard his body banging against the boat. Hmm. And then, yeah, so one went nuts, chopped his hand off, and there was just this wild rampage, and somebody else ran through. And I, I won't go into it, but it was hmm. very, um, remember like The Cube? Remember those kind of movies started coming out? Yeah. Not quite sore, but just like a bit fucked up. Yeah. And that's a point where you think, actually, maybe Mike Sirota, um could potentially do something reasonable 
with with what he's doing because there are a couple of bits in there it's quite horrific um but if you like that sort of thing but in, in the middle of all this he's saying we've been tied to the mast for three ruveks or whatever the fuck or you know his body banged against the hull and we heard it for several kimmicks so even when he's doing something that's quite dark and atmospheric and unpleasant, which actually sticks in the brain... Not you're in still, a nice way. Not in a nice way, but you're still constantly taken out of it by his ridiculous references to distance and time. You know, pointlessly ridiculous. The only way I could get through it when you made me get through it was to tell myself that I was not going to read any bullshit. So when he starts talking about I am and all that crap, I just skim it. I did a solid 70 pages in the last few days when he kept nagging. But yeah. I did about 100 pages tonight in about an hour. Yeah. So in terms of, like, shit, you know, if, yeah. if, if I'd have warmed up... To, if I'd have skipped the first two chapters, I'd yeah. have missed nothing. I'd have yeah. understood as much. And I think you could have done it in one shit. So you could do it in one shit. That's the best thing I can say about it in terms of yeah, it, it, meeting it the requirement. It, there, there is that thing, though, where going for a shit actually has some element of pleasure to it. You know, I do all my best thinking when I'm sitting on the throne. I'm thinking I... more your Saturday shits, the, the yeah. ones that you got um, gifted by Hammett. Yeah. Those yeah. ones. If, if I am wasting my excellent Saturday visit to the throne, just trenching through 230 pages of this, it's not going to happen. So it could technically be a one-page book if you had an overseer over you whipping you, making you do it. But I don't think anybody could actually sit on the throne and get through this without wanting to throw it out the window or just tear it up and use it as bog roll. And we might be being unfair to Mike Sirota because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy who got five of these published and has written other things as well. And shit, I've never had a book published, so good luck to him. He's, 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 uh, he's actually Look, written books and, and had them published. There's enough around now that somebody thinks they can sell one for 65 quid. But still, yeah, it's a book. Somebody's probably liked it. And things were different in the 70s, you know. They didn't have yeah. anything else to do. And yeah. um, they were doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. And also, as I say, I think... And I think this is where the one shit book thing came from. Is it's a book that has got enough fluff and bullshit in it to skim read that and just literally read the uh, conversation, yeah. <laughs> the little that there is in there, and to be able to follow it through and get through it in you know twenty five minutes. Yeah. So as the book goes on, we we find out that um, the, the ultimate quest is going to be um, to go to the. What, is, what the hell do they call it? The Ferunian continent. Because the entire population of a town has vanished. Apart from the yeah. ones who are dead horribly, Andrew. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. the ones who are dead horribly. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Apart from, apart from the uh, the mutilated bodies. So they need to head to the Ferunian continent to, to figure out what's going on. So this is the quest. We've established the quest now. Some people have died horribly. Lots of other people have vanished and they've been taken somewhere. And so we're on page 80 of a 230-page book. So it's like, right, okay, now we know what the stakes are. We know what's going on. We know what's at risk. We know what they need to find out. And we know the sports. And we know the sport. So it's like, right, here we go. We're cooking on gas. We are not. So chapter five, Lair of the Thanars. And I promise this is a lot shorter than the description of Favor. But they've got a map. And it says, the hemispheric map of Simin and Tekob had been more precise, sorry, more precise, typo, the R's missing, had been more precise and definite. I think more precise is better. Yeah, more money, more problems, more mm. precise. Had been more precise and definite regarding the outlines of the elongated Ferunian continent than it had been of the distance across the dark straits. This undoubtedly brought about by the haste in which they undertook the return journey. But despite this, no estimate was under 300 vakes. Nor were any over. 375 vakes. At top speed... 
it would take no more than a full mig to cross the straits. However, due to the uncertain factor of the uncharted waters, Densentis had maintained only three-quarters speed through the previous night and would recommend the same to Vassio for the upcoming night, perhaps even less. It was the Kev's estimate that, barring difficulties of any kind, we would arrive at the southeastern corner of the cryptic continent by early afternoon of the next MIG. I know, you've, you've got your head in your hands. <laughs> this, this is pretty much where I was as, as I was actually reading this, because once again you've got these ridiculous and stupid measurements in the glossary that's like any log any logic whatsoever and to make matters worse the, the then move over and, and, and more's going on and on page 82 he's talking about something happens and he describes it as an indescribable horror and an inexplicable force which he then describes and explains and it's exactly the same as chapter three <laughs> it's exactly the same but it's inexplicable and indescribable. So he's, he's falling back on some Lovecraftian tropes there by saying how indescribable and inexplicable something is, then kind of doing a vague description of it. And it's exactly the same. It's something that happened 44 pages ago, 30 pages ago, whatever. The difference being, one guy who's never been mentioned before gets eaten by sharks. Oh, sorry. Not sharks. <laughs> Jaw tabons. <laughs> We get regular references to jaw tabons. (laughs) And after a while, I kind of figured out, because there's other references to tabons as well, tabons are fish. But big fish that eat people are jaw tabons. And and reference to jaw tabons takes place frequently throughout the book. So we can't even talk about killer fish. It's jaw tabons. It's, uh, it's, It's relentless. It's absolutely relentless. I need to drink to think some, we were friends. some Santa Teresa to, to get up, to get through this. Oh, mate. I've been topping up just listening to you. Yeah. You can tell because I'm sounding more chilled out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's bad time. Obviously, I can't, I can't hold back the despair. But, yeah. um, so, it, you know, it, it continues and uh, we, we oh, get references to... Oh, does it continue? We get references to other sailors and then some... Some sea monsters attack, and you know it should be called the Long Straits. The Long Straits. Yeah, and and the Long Straits of nothing. At some point, these these monsters, these thanars, whose the descriptions are hilarious, just these big lumpy monsters with with eight warped limbs, hands. That, with hands on oh, the end. Don't. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, and they, the they, purple uh, slime. Purple slime, and they get on board, <sighs> and the, and the nicks some sailors that we've never heard of before, but one of them. Is Vasio? Oh no, they've got Vasio and dragging beneath no. the waves. Oh, I have to say, Lord. I was horrified. I was, I was, I was surprised. I thought they've yeah. actually killed off a main character, but yeah. it is the oh. fourth book. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, little did you know. No. Um, oh he's, no, it's killed off for about thirty-seven seconds. I know. Yeah, because it Came turns back. out they were just taken prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they all get split up. There's, there's a village of people who are up to no good, and some of them are brutes. And some of them are brutes. Once, once again, we just get this absolute nonsense. I thought it was very anthropologically incorrect. Well, we get a bit, bit, bit more travelogue before we get to that bit, which is actually, which I did laugh out loud at, to be honest, when we got to that bit. It says uh, more, more of this nonsense. We paralleled the river as closely as we could, even though a few rubeks from the bank we were apt to lose sight of it amidst the dense fronds and creepers that engulfed us. Fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> the jungle was steamy, but not nearly as hot as I imagined it could be. This, I reasoned, might be a portenter of the approaching dusk, 
and even that was growing increasingly difficult to tell, for in the past half a Kimmig, we'd been afforded only momentary glimpses of the distant sun through the overhanging verdure. With the five of us here on a wide path through the foliage, we negotiated two tavaks in a relatively short period of time. No, nope, that wasn't short. Ah. What, well, I have to go to the glossary and say, oh, is, is a tavak short? I can't remember. Once the river curved slightly into our path, a fact we did not realise until Densentus, stepping on what he thought to be solid ground, saw his leg thrust through a thin, moss-covered layer of creepers. Fortunately, he suffered no injury, though his foot struck for a moment in the silty river bottom and stared a nest of small water snakes, all of which scattered in terror. The river then straightened out, and we continued alongside our direction as closely as I could approximate nearly due east. Hi now, ho, that paragraph... Hi-ho, Sorry, yeah. shall I stop doing sound effects now? I was just trying to liven it up for you, Andrew, because I felt you might be losing people. But but this, this, this paragraph really does effectively sum up the entire problem with this book. So, he talks about them travelling, and he throws in some of his ridiculous distances and measures, and then there's, just for a moment, you think we're going to get a bit of excitement. No. He just describes Densenta sticking his foot in some mud and disturbing some water snakes. And then they get up and carry on. What? Is this this crazy peril that they're going through is Densentus got his foot stuck in some mud. And that was, it was worth, a bit of drama. That was worth a description. Woo! It's absolutely mad. That's why I gave it the year. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it just goes on like this, you know, there's, there's, there's some mango. Quest for the plot. Yeah. Danis yeah. for. And so, so we're halfway through the book now. And Danis... <laughs> Mangoes. Yeah, no, there's quite a bit of fruit, actually. There's quite a bit there of is. food that appears yeah. that they don't get to eat. Yeah, that's um, right. Because later on there's yeah. food in boats and they don't eat it because they have some weird escapades oh, no. on, on an island of rocks. And then, so. and then there's fruit trees. And as I say, yeah. it's the quest for the plot. It's like maybe the plot's in the fruit trees. Maybe the plot's <laughs> in the hold. Nope. Well, that, that bit nope, was the, just a, the weird... It was a... I bet when they're on the weird island of rocks, it's like this this constant constant build up when you think something's going to happen and someone grazes his back. <laughs> so, yeah, someone, whatever his t- Tavistock or Tavasock or whatever his uh, name is, <coughs> grazes he's dead his again. back. No, no, it just. Yeah. Oh no, just, it's just, it's just, she had a poo-poo. Yeah, yeah, just grazed his back. That's all. Anyway, we 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 get to this village and th- this is where it gets genuinely hilarious. <laughs> The river emerged from the jungle less than half a bivouac to our right, where it snaked across a grassy veldt for about oh, ten bivouacs to a nearly circular crater the diameter of which was between half and three quarters of a tavern. Hi-ho! Yeah. No, no, we're, we're getting to the juicy stuff now. On the <laughs> far know, side of the lake... I know, but fuck me. We could see the river re-emerge before disappearing into some low hills, likely the source of its headwaters. So a bit of geographical assumption there, you know, it's, it's making some judgments. Surrounding the lake, in an erratic semicircle, were crude thatched huts, small dwellings of nearly identical size that numbered in the hundreds. We now knew what we heard in the jungle, for the moist air was filled with the din one associates with scores of intermingling voices. The lakeside village was quite heavily populated. Unlike the white-skinned, light-haired Genethusians, hmm, the complexion of these people tended a bit to a tawny, although they were undoubtedly Caucasian. Without well, exception... Yeah. I'm the cusp, though. Without exception, the hair of every one was ink black. The men tended to be short in height, though their chests were broad and their arms and leg muscles massive. They were garbed in scanty breech cloths, and despite the proximity of the still lake, all appeared sorely in need of a bath. <laughs> None wore facial hair of any kind, this fact revealing their less than unattractive faces. They appeared very low on the evolutionary scale by virtue of their dull expressions. 
Their mouths were curled in perpetual snarls, while their flattened noses and tiny bloodshot eyes made their appearance almost anthropoidal. But, in glaring contrast, the women of this village were quite remarkable. Each stood more than a head above the average male, their lissom bodies undulating sensually as they walked. Their incredibly long, even hair helps to accentuate the beauty of their unadorned faces, which were dominated by full red lips and large almond eyes. They were full-breasted beyond belief. How, how, how can you be full-breasted beyond belief? Depends how hard you believe in full breasts, Andrew. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just trying to en- envisage to Danis what cup size takes boobs beyond belief because he must be I, limited in imagination. I'd, I'd just like you to I'd like to take you back in time to a yeah. conversation with an editor and Mike. And he goes, "Look, Mike, you can't say this. What? You can't say the black-skinned, short guys and tall, sexy. You can't you can't say it. Well, I can't say the white-skinned. Can you go with Can you go with Tawny? Can we meet at Tawny? Yeah, I'll go Tawny. Is that all you want me to change? Yeah, just the Tawny. All right, yeah. cool. Sorted. Version yeah. two, here we are. But whatever you do, don't change full-breasted beyond belief. So they were full-breasted beyond belief. This made evident by the fact none wore any garment beyond a short woven grass skirt and crude sandals. So the topless, as well. Despite their seemingly higher intelligence, it was clear that the males dominated this society, for while the women tended cooking fires or bore water from the lake, their mates lounged regally, or else strutted about the village and barked out orders. Occasionally one would brusquely motion a female into a hut and the swaying woman would willingly comply. Here was the proverbial beauty in the beast, the thought of such unions making me shudder. My God. So, so this this book's been pretty crappy for quite a while, but it, it really is just venturing right out into Gonzo territory with, with the idea of, of a, a, a tribe of crudely described racial caricatures with busty women that are big-titted beyond belief and super, super sexy. And not only that, but super horny. I think in the passing references that make no sense to fuck all, everybody else on that godforsaken rock are in some way deficient to the truth. You know, like there's the yeah. reference to green trolls and red trolls and I yeah. don't want to remember it. I'm just saying everybody yeah. else is backwards and, you know, like stupid and, you know, there's just yeah. the, uh, there's one yeah. civilization and there's yeah. one so, God. Sounds a bit like your God, but we won't, I won't ruin that for you. Oh, we'll get to Hammer. But yeah, so there are references earlier on to green tools and red tools and, and thules, tools, whatever they are. I don't give a yeah, so they're from, from earlier books, which, you know, kind of reinforces the fact that this is kind of like sword and planet fiction because, of course, you've got the Red Men of Mars and the Green Men of Mars and, and all that business in the Edgar Rice Burroughs novels, so it's not particularly original. <laughs> I think that's probably the least of our criticisms, is that this is not particularly original. Is that surprising to us, Andrew? No, not in the slightest. But, you know, as, as we go along, we do find... They do have a bit of a, um, a back and forth with these... Uh, with these um, brute people the leader of which is called Gluba the, Gluba! the mighty, yeah the mighty Gluba it we, was we before also... Bill Hicks's time but was Gluba still a term in, in the United States it's just a Gluba standing on his front lawn and his yeah. socks and his sandals looking yeah. at his lawn fortunately we're more than halfway through now so don't worry we are going to get through this we're, we're not, not going to do three episodes on this <laughs> you're having to wash down your room with the brew dog though Andrew which says pretty much everything we need yeah. to know Yeah. at least do it's that. hard for you as well I think we can all take some comfort in that yeah I think so <clears throat> um, and don't get me wrong I'm having a great time the hard work is behind us 
they have they have back and forth fight with Gluber. Vasio turns up again. We find out Vasio's not dead, and we have this uh, particularly dubious um, fact revealed to us that not only is Vasio not dead, randomly one of these huge-breasted Faltarian women fell in love with him for some reason. Try to open escape that that comes back up later on. Ham is it Hammer? Their crazy god beast, whatever. It's all starting to slip out of my head already. Turns yeah. up, but the ki- but the kill it. Yeah. And Gluber is um, beside himself with impotent rage, but it's all right because they killed Gluber as well. But five against a thousand, wasn't it? With a couple of handguns that need regular reloading. That's right, yeah. But they've got oh, it's Hummer, Hummer. So yeah, the, the, it turns out they've got guns. So it's 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 not really a fair fight. Even at this point, where they're having these fights, superhero Danus does absolutely nothing oh. superheroic. Oh. Is, he, say, is... he does say something at some point, like he has a sentence with somebody before he gets backed up by his mates with the guns. I think I've blocked it out. And yeah. There's one I'm point where... The... I'm, just, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be fair to the guy. Okay, yeah, I've remembered the one thing that he does. While they're in a melee, he hoists a bloke on his shoulders and pulls so hard that he severs his spine. So, he does, he does wrestle a guy, stick him on his shoulders and essentially break his back in the middle of a fight. And the skim read that. Yeah, that, that there is so that is the one thing in 230 pages Danis does other than, other than just be with all these blokes. Talk, describe the mountains. So they've had this scrap. With our weapons held high, rapidly. That's a sentence. It's not a sentence, Andrew. <laughs> that, that is a sentence in this it's book. It's not. I went to school in Stoke-on-Trent, right, and I know that's not a fucking sentence. That is that is a sentence in this book. Stride forth to meet them, Densentis ordered. Hold your fire until I issue the word. With our weapons held high, rapidly. Though loath to destroy the women, we knew that it would be impossible to discriminate amidst the vast number of Faltarians that approached. They came closer until little more than four bivaks separated us. Now, Densentis snapped. So they basically opened fire on all these men and women and murder loads of them. A religious so, festival that they didn't understand. Yeah, all all these enormous breasted women, topless, the gun them down, like sexy. like true like true heroes after Super killing sexy. their god. Impressive stuff. Impressive mm-hmm. stuff. So lots more chasing. I around. think like Freud would have a lot to say about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and psychoanalysts in general. Qu- quick observation then: we're closing in on two thirds of the way through, and I still have no idea where they're going. Nope. Or really, why? No. Nope. I, I know that, that these people, these people have died and these people have vanished, and that yep. they're going to the the Ferunian continent. But why or where specifically isn't clear. There's no villain. There's no MacGuffin. There's no obvious reason why Danis is any kind of hero. And I've spent at least a Kimig or two reading this fucking book. Bastard. And yeah, and it's and it's still no clearer. But uh, there's a, there's another paragraph a little bit further on that did make me laugh out loud. Thank God. And yeah, and um, the, the, they've been reunited with their friends. And Vasio's got this new girlfriend who is rescued randomly, and he's all loved up. And it says the happy but subdued reunion that had been so long in coming finally took place in the clearing as the upper portion of the distant Reglathium sun peaked over the trees to the east. Kendivak, the stern master, embraced his son warmly, while Yaris, the Vurakev of Sens, grinned as he pumped the hands of all. Vasio. Ever the warrior fussed over Densentis's wound, but the Kev affectionately punched his old friend in the shoulder as he shooed him away. I merely stared at the brother of my beloved and smiled, a gesture that he returned, though each of us knew what the other felt inside. And uh, I did have a good chuckle at that because I thought, right, 
is 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 Mike Sirota a really really progressive writer who's writing about that kind of intense feeling that two men can have for one another? Is it coded and progressive, or does Mike Sirota have no insight whatsoever into how that paragraph reads? Who could speak for Mike? There are a few points in it where there's a lot of bromance. You know, like there's some like, you know, some shit happens. Fuck all, usually. Yeah. But you know, and then like the Kev will say something obvious. Yeah. And like Dennis will narrate what a guy, you know, yeah. to be able to say something obvious in the face of fuck all. And you know, so there is there's a bromance, there's a connection, and I'm all for that. You know, men need yeah. friends and men need men friends. And of course this was the seventies. I mean, look at his mm. outfit. If you're hanging around with other men friends in that outfit. Yeah, you know, I would dearly love for it to be kind of progressive in that way. It's not all about sex, Andrew. I don't mean like progressive in like a guardian woke everyone. No, 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 no. Sort of way. Yeah, yeah, like, but it's, know, it's like like a men friends. But but nothing comes of it, and I don't mean nothing comes of it that the dirt get down. Yeah, like, broke back but I mean, he, he refers to something. He says, I merely stared at the brother of my beloved and smiled, a gesture that he returned, though each of us knew what the other felt inside. What? What? What, what is he talking about? It's not elaborated upon. It's just It's just a pointless sentence. Well, no, because it, it, to be fair, on that point, like, he's, he's, he builds on the... Um, hold on, which guy is this? Is this Vasio and what's his name? Well, am I thinking of a different point in the book? Because I think you're ahead of the bits I've managed to can get. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's Vasio. Vasio yeah, is his, his like, missus' brother. Yeah, yeah, Cause, but you'd mentioned he was his uncle earlier, but I think you'd read it out from the passage, so, you know, that would be weird. That would oh, be yeah. really fucking weird. Well, it, it wouldn't Ugh. surprise me Let's in move the slightest. On. It wouldn't surprise on. me in the slightest if both are true. Yeah, exactly. No, that, no, no in this book. That, that's why we're, we're moving on. No, because like, there's been quite a few things throughout it that's established their relationship. And, yeah. You know, like in terms Va- of... Vassier, Vassier is the uncle of his daughter. He's referred to as Uncle Vassier because that's the chapter that's got his daughter in it. It didn't make any sense, Andrew. It didn't make any... But obviously, when I read it the first time, I glossed over it. I didn't even realise, as I say, who the narrator was till like chapter four or five. So yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah, that first chapter refers to Uncle Vassio because his daughter's in the first chapter. Oh gosh, we'll never see her again. But no, what I'm saying is the building on the bromance that's been established is that bit where he picks him up bodily and puts him to bed, and yeah. then locks him in the room and then laughs about it, and then like they tell each other they love each other the next day. And it's that the acknowledgement of appreciation for a friend who's got your back is is not a bad thing to ha- like. Of all the things that you could have picked out of this. Like, I could open this book now, flip through it, and, like, pick a fucking page at random and find a problem that I could discuss with you at length. That's, yeah. like, not that... I mean, did they ever describe the outfits? For the people who are listening, you need to... I'm sure Andrew will upload a picture of the front of the cover. I will indeed. You need to see what they're supposed to be travelling in because it doesn't yeah. look practical. It's got Swimming to chafe. Trunks. Yeah, it's got swimming trunks. Swimming trunks with a leather belt with a heavy metal sword over it. I mean, it's got a chain. Yeah, like, yeah. nothing else like on the upper body to protect against the other swords, but yeah. a nice little bracelet around the upper arm. So. Maybe the reason why this, this kind of stuck out so much is because I think it's probably the only point in the book beyond chapter one where at any point is there any kind of indication of characterization for Danus and his relationship with these other people he talks about the relationship between the kevin his son the vera kevin the, and the ship the stern master and all this business there's another character whose son is on the journey but this is the only point at which Danus actually shows there's, there's any expression of any identification he's got with any of these people because the rest of the time it's just exposition yeah he's there to narrate that's why i'm yeah. like you know 
Who's this so, guy? And anyway. does he exist? Because no one speaks to him. No, no, that's right. He, he exchanges a glance with Vasio, and the and they understand what each other feel inside. And that's about the only interaction he seems to have with any of them, other than probably a couple of exchanges him, of, of dialogue. Putting him to bed that time and having that strong look the next day. You missed it. It was one of the pictures. Oh, yeah, when they're on the ship. Cause Vas- yeah, I remember yeah. that. Because Vas- Vasio's no, naked. And he's like, no, I'm not going to bed. I'm like, yeah, you are going to bed. And they put him to bed. That's 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 amazing characterization, obviously. Obviously. So, yeah. you know, obviously this builds on it. Makes it, so makes anyway. it all worthwhile. I'm glad. Yeah. How, how long was it we spent talking about that? passage now andrew oh i don't know 10 minutes i reckon outstanding yeah. you see Outstand- that's the quality this is this is this is where the room starts to hit that is the quality of mike Sorota. i've always said it you can spend 10 minutes talking about the beautiful way he characterizes yeah. man love in, in a non-sexual but very as you say progressive guardian reader uh yeah. you know very what's I, i'm i'm done that's yeah. that's 11 minutes yeah <laughs> No, you, you, you've done well. We found something that I found something nice to say, which which vindicates everything I said from the start, and we'll say here on yeah. forth. So anyway, nothing happens for another twenty five pages, and that's the point at which he breaks a Falterian's back over his shoulder. So that's the first and only time he does anything vaguely super heroic. I didn't make it that far. Yeah, and not at any point in that paragraph does it mention a Mig, a Kimig, a Verk, a Ruvek, or anything else. But they have they have a a, a, a bit of a scrap. And, and actually, th- this is the point at which, although I've heard a reference to Vassio's love, who, who made a connection with him when he was when he was um, imprisoned by the Falterians, this is the point where they come across a bunch of boats, and there's a bunch of these uh, Falterians, and they've got this lass, and Vassio's all like, oh, it's that lass, it's that massive boob lass who, who, who fancies me. And uh, at that point, one of the other Falterians is going to drag her off into some bushes to rape her, the rescuer, and that's when he breaks someone's back over his shoulder. Wow. Animals. They're incredibly exciting and then they go to the island of stones where fuck all happens for about a million pages and they, they decide to split up for reasons that aren't really apparent and they're talking about oh we've got to go to the island of stones and then they head into the interior of the island of stones which is the point at which Tavasok grazes his back and then they go back to the coast again not only is it all pointless there's not even any justification for it in the plot as to why they're heading to the interior it makes zero sense whatsoever in fact there's i no... have read this bit so yeah, thanks. I, I caught the bit about some bird. I hadn't realised they'd got her. I'd yeah. probably skimmed through the fight bit. I just thought they were yeah. generally fighting. I did yeah. catch a bit where he's grazed himself. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, that that's how that's how gripped I was. It, it becomes all the more coherent as you go along. I think it's fair yeah, to say. So they get split up from some of the blocks, from some of the blocks, and for the third time in the book, this happens three times. They've been split up some, and it's actually. It potentially happens a fourth time towards the end. Then they split up three times, and then they come across the people who they thought they were lost, and they're regaled of their adventures. And this happens three times in the book. Twice with the sailors, and one time with the woman who is with Vassia, where they say, whoa, what happened? And then they go off on a, a monologue. Uh-huh. And the monologue lasts two, three pages, sometimes four pages, is written in exactly the same style, the exact same narrative, the exact same prose, the exact same turgid prose, just with speech marks at the beginning and end of every paragraph. Because they all tell these stories in exactly the same voice as Danis uses to narrate it. It's it's painful. It's absolutely baffling. It, painful. It's, it's super, super painful. And so, so they get regaled. And they've all had these adventures that actually... The, the one thing you could say is that Danis should have been having these adventures... But it's too busy narrating. 
I'm well, still busy narrating trees. and making everything sound boring and stupid. <laughs> so, the, anyway, they leave the island of stones and they get to the gen- the Ferunian continent where they'd arranged, because for whatever reason they split up with Densentis and co. And they get there and Densentis and co out there. They're not there. And then it just ends. <laughs> it just runs out. It doesn't end. There's no climax. It just, it just runs out. It just, just stops. stops. Thank yeah. God he stops. Yeah. I mean, I mean to and be it... fair, that's the best way you could end it. Just stop. Just stop. Right. Yeah, but I was I was super baffled because the closer and closer I got, I was thinking, we what still don't happen? have a villain. Nope. We still don't have a MacGuffin. No. Nope. We still don't have a, a specific target on the Ferunian nope. continent. They just go into the Ferunian continent. It's a continent. fucking wheel of time, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, but it's 233 pages, not 10 volumes. So yeah, but it's the first 233 a... pages of the fucking next 20,000 words. Yeah, but I suppose its chief strength is it's not as long as a Wheel of Time book. Yeah, but it's only like the first two chapters of the Wheel of Time book. Yeah, and in, in order to try and whip up some drama or some excitement <laughs> on this very last page... So this is how it goes. It says, uh, And so we guided the prow of the Falterian outrigger towards the bleak shore of the Ferunian continent, where the churning waves immediately caught hold of us and hastened our journey to the narrow strand that was our goal. The last of the dark straits had been crossed, but at what price? Numerous friends and shipmates had met a variety of deaths too grisly to recall. Very grisly. Two fine vessels had been totally destroyed. Now, despite our refusal to believe it, Densentus and the others were also gone. Victims of what only Hammock could know. Densentus, the beloved Kev of countless Genethusians, dead! What else short of death itself could have kept him from this rendezvous? Oh, I don't know. Maybe some fucking fruit trees, or some mangoes, or an island of stones. But Anything it's like, like looking at... Can we go look at that mountain? Oh, I yeah. will take a detour. Yeah. Maybe he'll be here in half an hour. You know, maybe he'll just pop to shop. Maybe he's having a kip, but no. It's like this instant assumption in order to hot shot a dramatic end. It's like dead. Maybe. What else shot of death probably, itself could have probably not though. Probably not. What else shot of death it... Yeah, he's gonna turn up in the next book, isn't he? If probably I had to within guess. five pages. If I had yeah. to guess, mate, he'll be back. Yeah. I'm what not else? reading it. I'm not fucking reading it. I'm just putting it out there now. Well I'm gonna I'm, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check it out. To, just to stop Andrew there and to save you having to edit it out, the thump you heard was what I was using as a bookmark hitting the floor. And it's going to stay there because it's not going back in this fucking book. When you tell me how it ends, that will be the end. Okay. Well, don't worry. We've got about another 30 seconds. Nope. What else, beyond his own (laughs) demise, could have prevented the conscientious ruler from learning why 40,000 of his people vanished from Vialk's sphere without a trace? Mm. Why those of advanced Iams met with horrible deaths? And why the Elder of Elders would appear on the brink of his own passing to point the way? The burden of grief we shared for Densentis... We and forgot to mention others, that bit, to be fair. And all the others was immense. But if this were not enough, we now realise that the Kev's own immeasurable onus, good job we didn't misspell that, had fallen our own weary shoulders. I'm not sure we didn't misspell that. Yeah. Six individuals now bobbing amidst the waves in a primitive vessel were venturing boldly forth to face powers capable of acts beyond the ken of most. What would we find <laughs> upon this? Look at that, that's the yeah. book in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. This is beyond the ken of most. Yeah. What would we find upon this terrible land nothing, of mystery? Nothing at all. How audacious must we be to challenge the dark, cryptic Ferunian <laughs> continent? Oh, how about you shit yourselves on your first encounter with a nightmare yeah. and, like, chop your hand off and then chop your head off and then, like, yeah. hang yourselves and then carry it. Only time and oh, perhaps no. hammer. 
No. And perhaps Hammett no. could reveal these answers. No. I bet Hammett's going to be a lizard. Yeah. So that's it. The end of the Dark Straits of Red Glathium. No. So De- Densentis and the gang just, you know, aren't there. They yeah. might, you know, they maybe yeah. got distracted, but they've just assumed they're dead in order to create some drama. That's... What on earth will happen on the Ferunian continent? Tune in Nothing. next time. Nothing. For, for the fifth and final Danis book. I bet it ends like that one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And uh, I'm sorely tempted, actually, to... No. Nope. Because one, one thing I have to point out is that because I'm a fucking idiot... Yeah, and, and a bastard. And a yeah. terrible friend. And also a, a hopeless collector. I, I bought all four of the others. <laughs> so I've got them. I've got them up on the shelf behind me. You have got bigger problems than Danis. Yeah. And and actually, when, when I've actually got three copies of The Dark Straits of Reglathium in this house. That's 150 mm. quid straight away. Yeah, because I know I've got the one that pops give me, but I couldn't find it when I started talking to Loz about it. So I talked to Loz about this about seven or eight months ago, and Loz bought a copy off eBay. And did it tell you to get fucked? Yeah, did you? Loz got off the hook that you ended upon. Loz is a smart bastard. Like a wriggling fish. Loz, Um, shout out to you, mate, you fucking smart bastard. Yeah, dodged one there, didn't he? I wish I had your fucking wisdom. So I ended up buying another copy of it. And then when we agreed to do it, and you bought your copy, I couldn't find the copy I'd bought last year. So I went on eBay and got another one. And then the day it arrived, I unwrapped it. It was like, oh. And then I came upstairs. And as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, I laid eyes on the one I bought last year. So I've got three copies of this in the house, two of which I know where they are. The other one's behind me. And there's this one as well. So so maybe Patreon. what we should do. Yeah. Maybe what we should do is, is, a, is a competition. <laughs> um, but actually... You, you lose if you lose you get the book guys yeah. if you are so fucking wrong that you are clearly off your head you win the book so ask mm. them a difficult question you know like yeah. you know why is water wet or something and then like yeah. wait and see what happens we'll get this one of one of our patron demons neil sir neil of saw it. saw it bought this to do with a read-along poor fucker you bastard <laughs> to be a patron he has to pay neil neil look Sorry, mate. Message me through Andrew. I'll give you your yeah. cash back. I mean, yeah. you at least you deserve the book money yeah. at the going rate of 65 quid. And then you deserve your fucking Patreon money back because this fucker has just robbed you. Uh, so yeah. hashtag sign up for Andrew's Patreon. He loves it. And he will take the piss out of you mercilessly because that's not the sort of thing you do to a friend, Andrew. Fuck it. Pay, mate, he pays, he pays every moment he's had to be in contact with it. To say, mm. every time I see it, it's fucking Dennis. I think, mm. I don't know if I should bin mine. If anybody wants it, send me the worst and most unlikely reason that water's wet, and you can have my copy, because it's out of my fucking house within a week of Andrew <laughs> posting this thing. The only reason I'm holding back is because Andrew doesn't like burning books, whereas I think, you know, save the world with yeah. some books. Right, yeah. well, we'll agree that. That's, that's the second pact we'll make right now. The day this goes up, when I put it out on, on the blog, when I put it out on You can Patreon. have my copy. Barely touched, mate. But curse, yeah. though. If every time you see a book, you go, fucking Dennis, it's going to take on some fucking dark powers, man, because I'm pretty powerful. So if you bring yeah. it in your house, you're going to have, like, light bulbs blowing. Your mother-in-law's yeah. going to visit you. Shit's going to go wrong for you. If you want that in your life, you send me the worst, the most unlikely reason water's wet, and you can have it gratis. And, and I'll just get up. I'll post mine to the first person who says they want it. I, d- I don't even want any kind of entertaining I, question. It don't even have to be that entertaining, like anything. 
Just like, yeah. because it's a chicken. I'm, I'm just get the fucking book because otherwise I'm burning it. And just to please Andrews, what's the word about people who love to podcast? Self-fascination. It's not that, is it? Narcissism is um, not that. Pretentious and self-indulgent. Those could be two other words. Yeah, so yeah. just to please Andrews, you know, hobbies, I could just video burning it. So I'm, no, I'm, only, no, no, I'm no. only talking a tweet. I'm not talking no. an essay, but an essay would no, no. be entertaining. Shit's boring. You, you... After all, I just read Danis. So if you yeah. were to write me an essay, I'm the least likely... You you need to satisfy my preening pretensions. No, nope, I can't possibly do that. That's why you need Patreons and like international. So are you up to like five or six now in terms of listeners? Because Andrew and I don't talk about it because you know it freaks me out. I'm I'm convinced that this is Andrew's little pet hobby, and me and Loz and his his missus listen to it. Five yeah, um, five I, or six downloads. Yeah. Let's say seven. We've got seven hardcore listeners. Two well, one of whom is me. You don't listen to it, so you don't count. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> awesome so you're gonna win you're winning fucking hell you're winning the damn spook but you can have four because no one wants your copies yeah too well, don't sense. worry when, when it goes out if uh if if someone says that they want it and they want to suffer it <laughs> then I'll, I'll i'll give you their address and you can post them post it to them i'll sign it i'll sign yeah. good fucking luck to you i hope it doesn't curse <laughs> your life like it's cursed my life the heavy dense energy of having it in my house i believe is probably it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world i think that's what's brought me down in these last few months Andrew. just seen it and then i've got to fucking yeah. read it yeah well so thanks well, for that yeah. oh, okay well you you now get to have your revenge because i i chose danus the dark straits of Reglathium, as our potential one ship book <laughs> Now, of course, what, what, what we haven't done is actually um, underlined whether this is the perfect one-shit book. <laughs> no. No, it's not. But it is one-shit book. It is yeah. definitely one-shit book. So, I chose this. You so now, bastard. in all fairness, you need to choose the next one. Oh, and for Christ's sake, don't choose some at five hundred pages long. It's got to be let let's let's be sensible and keep it under two hundred pages this time. Because if it is if it is terrible, at least we can take thirty three pages off it. Um, I'm gonna have to come back. When are we doing the group? Uh, behold the man. I'm gonna keep well, pushing the, you. Yeah, the, the I want to do the panel. Behold the man in person. So when when Dreamer. we can actually all all meet up over a drink, hopefully maybe summer. Have you read the might, James might be Barclay books? At some fucking point. Have you read the James Barclay books? No. The one, the ones, the Raven books. Well, I ain't no. gonna ruin the end for you. But if any of the readers have read them, readers, listeners, what the fuck are these people? Like me, you, and your missus. Hmm. <laughs> if any of the people I've met <laughs> hmm. have read them, and you've read the last uh, Raven book, you'll know what I mean. Hmm. There'll be a point, Andrew, <clears throat> in the universe where we could all sit around and drink rum and talk shit about Behold the Man. Yeah, uh, we will do it, but that one needs to be in person and it needs to be a panel for sure. But short uh, term, we're going to read another shit book then. I I like that one. Why can't I read a book I want to read? Why do you hate me? Why do you hate you? It could be a book you want to read because it could be a good book. Julie in the School was a one shit book, but it's a good book. Yeah, but we made it like last for fifteen hours. Yeah, but we don't need. We you know we don't need to do that. We can't help but do that. It's the yeah, if we get if we get a good book, we might do that. <laughs> if we got a good book, it'd be like sixty hours. Maybe so. Let fate will decide. But oh your homework now is, 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 to, is to add, and you don't need to do it now. But you need to identify our next contender for the perfect one shit book. 
Is it going to be on this fantasy fiction or can I punish you in some other way? Well, you know what? If I, to be fair, if I'm if I'm telling you that it's it's your choice, I can't really impose any conditions on it. Bless her. She used to try. She's given up now. Well, she didn't give up. I had to, I had to get angry because she still yeah. hoped, but she doesn't anymore. Um, but she used to buy me Barbara Cartland's when I was a kid. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. On that story, you can <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. It's fantasy. They're always fucking wood nymphs, mate. Every Christmas yeah. I get Barbara Cartland's like, can't you learn to be a lady? What, like, run away from my rich parents because they want to marry to the guy next door. So I'll live in the woods. He'll find me. He'll think I'm a wood nymph. And then I'll fall in love, and I'll realise I'm going to marry him, and then I'll marry him. Mum, like, we live in Stoke. Like, have you seen... <laughs> 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 all, all right, let's 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 put some parameters on it, then. <laughs> it, it, let's say it's, it's got to be under 200 pages, it's got to be fantasy, and you've got to have some inkling that it might be <laughs> worthy of exploration as a potential... Like yours was. Book. Like, fucking... That isn't how you went. You just went... This is what my granddad gave me. You're going to fucking read it. Yeah. My granddad well, gave me a table, mate, and you'd be better off spending the time I read Danis reading that fucking table. Well, you know what? It's your call. If you read can't choose one, if you can, if you can't choose one, then you're giving me carte blanche. No. To choose it's the next no, one as well. No, 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 Andrew. Mm. No. Well, yeah. there you go. I'm sorry, mate, but you're like you're pushing the boundaries of our friendship, and I'm going to have to put up some. You know, there's got to be some limits. Well, well, in that case, you know what? We'll close off this show with your homework and we'll feed back to the listeners at some point when you decide what it's going to be. But in the meantime, I'm going to have another slug of delicious rum. Are we going to carry on chatting? You. We are going to carry on chatting. But for Just now, checking. we're going to close this off and we're going to say thank you for joining me <laughs> in our epic journey <clears throat> with Danis through I just the dark say, of Reglathium. Can I just say, I hope we've uplifted you. With, with our positive messages of the, yeah. uh, the 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 impact of a, a literary understanding and appreciation of, of the contributions of of classics like Dinosaur, um yeah. to the merriment of people throughout decades. As you say, Andrew, I've never written a fucking book. You've never written a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's why. In all seriousness, I've I've got to be a little bit in awe of Mike Sarota. Mate, I'm in awe of anybody who can be asked. I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. Fair enough. Because he's he's he wrote five of these and he got them published, and not only that, is after a quick check on who he was, he's written all sorts of other stuff. But this this was his his five ser- five uh, book series of Danus. But anyway, thank you for joining me. We will carry on drinking rum after I shut this down. But oh, say good night to the listeners. Good night to the listeners. <laughs> it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from her. Good night. Thanks as ever to Tash for being such a great co-host. I'd like to think we worked too hard on Danis, but maybe we probably were. As it happens, Mike Sorota has continued to bash out novels in the last 40 years and his most recent efforts do have a very familiar ring to them. In 2015 and 16, he published four novels titled Warlord of Maldrinium, Caves of Maldrinium, Dark Seas of Maldrinium, and Slaves of Maldrinium. Now, here's the synopsis for The Dark Seas of Maldrinium. Danis Eriquain is summoned to help look into a frightening occurrence. 40,000 people have vanished from a Genethusian coastal city, 
All that remains there are a few thousand elders, all of them dead, all wearing expressions of sheer terror. A cryptic clue points across the waves towards the distant forbidden land known as the Ferunian continent, long shunned by the Genethusians. Reluctantly, Danus and his mates set sail across the deadly Black Straits to an unknown fate. What horrors will they encounter upon the dark seas of Maldrinium? So, not only is that weirdly familiar, but I should also send Tash it because it handily summarises what we struggle to define. A kind of plot. So, Mike Sorota has revised and reissued the Regolathium series, and now, sadly, I appear to have found myself another quest. Anyway, enough of Regolathium, stroke Maldrinium for now. We have our patrons to thank, and there are some new ones too. First up, hard at work in the belly of the good ship Don Blas, trying to install a Dyclon drive with little success, as nobody, Brute of Lashmire included, knows what the fuck it does, or how it works. But they're still trying. And they are Andrew Cyclunus, Andrew Van Ness, Ben Fletcher, Dave Ashman, aka Sonus, watch out for him on an upcoming show and check out his band camp, Fred Keish, Jim Kirkland, Jim's Dreaming City newsletter is required reading for Mocock fans by the way, do track it down. John Lays, John Watt, Mal Pertwee, Nelbert, Simon Perrins, and Tony Milazzo, and thanks to our crafty Jugaderos, laying bets on how much better the Maldrinian books may or may not be. And they are Alex Harris, Clarkey, Craig Ledley, Ian Stead, Loz, Taylor, Matthew Broom, Randall Gatlin, Stephen Round, and Tom Murphy. And of course to our patron demons, Anthony Piconti, Joe Monty, Paul Hillary, Graham Holden, Dred Mortmain, a.k.a. Gemma, Nathan Gouljas, Neil Burton, Norman Beresford, and Bob Macmillan, and, joining us from the desert wastes, cloaked against the vicious radwinds, comes J. Edward Scott, creator of the Blade of Arizona. Stick the art of J. Edward Scott com in a browser, or just search the Blade of Arizona and pick up issues one to four. Number five, I understand, is on its way soon. It's superb, it's super Mococcian, and I hope to do a bit with Ed in the coming months, so watch this space. Finally, a big welcome and thanks to Tim Cardos, the patron with no tear. I may have to create one specially for you, Tim. I'll think on it. Right, enough of my blabbing. Once again, we're going to play out with Nand and the track The Million Spheres. Wayne and I are continuing on our project focused upon bringing the first six or seven chapters of the journal, the audio version, up to scratch with chapters 8 to 10 and chapter 11 is in the works and because it's a talented sod Wayne's composing these tracks to complement the journal so I'll continue to share them as things develop. Until next time you can gab with us and follow us on Twitter and Instagram on the handle at Breakfast Ruins. You can email the show at breakfastruinsoutlook.com. The web page and blog is breakfastintheruins.com. We have our Patreon page too and that has a few patron exclusives. The radio station's babbling away on Radio Garden, and you can check the radio page out on the site and take a look at the artists that are joining in the soiree and swelling our fabulous playlist, including some of our very own pals here like Nathan, Dave, Loz, Neil and Graham. But meanwhile, take care, stay safe, and I'll see you again soon on the Moonbeam Roads.